What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? I am your host, Armand Lee, thanking you so much for rocking with me for another episode of the Quarterly Report Podcast. Back off a one-week vacation. Sorry for the delay, but yo, I'm going to make it up to you with an amazing show this week. I say it every week, and I really think that we kind of, we kind of hit home when it comes to delivering really fun shows. But this week, I'm super excited. Not only do we have two weeks of NBA content to jam in a show about a little over an hour, but I'm also going to be joined by a first-time guest, Russell Pedalman. I'm super excited to have him on. He's an NBA writer at Numbers Fire. He used to write for Raptors HQ. So you know we're going to be talking about the NBA champions and upcoming free agency. But there's so much more to discuss this week, man. We've got the draft. Free agency. There was even a beef in the draft, like a rap beef between two NBA players. Dog, so much to get to in such a short period of time, so we are not going to waste any more time. We're going to get right into it with our first topic this week. Shout out to each and every one of you all for listening. We had our biggest week of downloads last week. It's odd, man. The more I'm doing the podcast, the more kind of data that comes along my way, the bigger the show grows, the, you know, the more... Uh, information that comes along with it and the information that we get is super important because you know as the show gets bigger you know we starting to you starting to you know build a little something man and, and we move it and send it to people and, and people are taking notice so number one i want to thank every one of you all man for joining me along this ride bro i don't know where it goes i don't know you know what it ends up becoming but i appreciate each and every one of you all for rocking with me for 107 and 107 more episodes, right? But if you guys remember, and if this is the first time you've listened to the podcast, shout out to you. Thank you for listening. But if you guys remember my podcast about a year ago this time, actually, it was probably a little after free agency had already began. I really pretty much summed up the NBA and what was going on in the NBA and moves that were discussed and potential moves that were on the horizon. And I remember specifically right after the Kawhi Leonard trade to Toronto for DeMar DeRozan, who people forget was second team all NBA last year, uh, a first round pick in Yacoporto. You know, the idea was, at least for my mind, how much does one championship run mean to you as a fan, to your, to your favorite organization? Like, that's the way, that's the angle that I've taken that I've taken when it comes to basically the ultimate, the ultimate point for every team at some point, whether it's first foremost on your mind or way, 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 way back in that your mind, right? At some point, the idea, the goal is to win a championship. Every team is not competing for a championship this season though, right? The Atlanta Hawks at some point that they do have championship aspirations in their mind, but they know, it's not this year. It's not this upcoming year. Success for the Hawks looks completely different than success for the Milwaukee Bucks. And the Milwaukee Bucks this time last year, if you would have told them that they would have gone to the Eastern Conference Championships and had the best record in the league, they would have celebrated that this time in 2018. Right now, they probably still feel away, right? And that's what happens as expectations rise 
and as games are played. But for the Milwaukee Bucks, one championship means the world to them, right? They also have the added pressure of knowing that they are up against the shot clock because the way everybody is circling the Raptors, and we're going to talk about the Raptors in a second, for Kawhi, please believe in two years, the Sharks will be circling Milwaukee because everybody is gunning for Giannis. But that goes back to my original point. How much does one championship mean to you? That was basically the genesis of my my entire NBA talking point starting last year at this time. Because so many people looked at the Kawhi Leonard trade and yo, we are getting hindsight revisionist history to the utmost over the last few weeks. Trust me when I tell you, everybody who says that you know, Masai Ujiri is a genius and that they knew for a fact that Kawhi Leonard, this trade was going to pay off. They're lying their ass off. I remember specifically people nationally and in the D.C. area, people locally saying, I don't know. I wouldn't do it. I don't know, Kawhi. Something's wrong with Kawhi. Why did he quit on the Spurs? All of the BS. You know, y'all, y'all Bamas do a really good job of scrubbing your social media feeds. I tell you that. Because I was looking at some of these old tweets, and you could probably still search some of them. Your fa- whomever handle that you're looking for in Kawhi Leonard, and just search that. There are a lot of, this tweet has been deleted, or this tweet is unavailable. There are a lot of those now, because some of y'all Bamas were killing the trade. Killing it. And I always like to do Look, y'all know me. When I'm wrong, I will fully admit to it. I will wear that hat. But off the rip, I was like, this is a brilliant move. Number one, I'm not the biggest DeMar DeRozan fan. But number two, Kawhi Leonard is a legit game changer. He is truly one of the elite basketball players in this league. If you have the opportunity to get him, you instantly become a championship contender. A lot of y'all don't watch the Spurs, and I'm finding this out (laughs) on a variety of topics, right? I'm finding this out from a, a, a large number of people. That a lot of you guys just don't watch the Spurs, and that's cool. I ain't going to tell you what to watch. But the fact that so many people were surprised at how good Kawhi was, was a stop. I, I couldn't believe it. This is a dude who's already played in two NBA Finals, already won one Finals MVP before this year, right? So I couldn't believe how many people just were surprised that, yo, Kawhi's for real. Yeah, he absolutely is. And even if Kawhi leaves in a matter of days, once free agency starts, even if he leaves, that trade is 100% worth it. And it goes back to the point. How much does one championship run mean to you? The Toronto Raptors had never made it to the NBA Finals. Hell, until what? Three, four years ago, the Raptors had never made it to a conference championship. And they got there and they won two... The... The Raptors, at least stateside, we treat them like the redheaded stepchild, right? Because so many people kept on acting like the Toronto Raptors failed in the playoffs year in and year out. They went six games versus the Cleveland Cavaliers. The, Ke- the Cleveland Cavaliers ultimately won the championship. They went six games in the conference championship. That's that's nothing to la- that's nothing to dismiss. That's a hell of a season. Yet. The narrative surrounding the Raptors was, oh, well, the Raptors, they're going to choke again. They had the misfortune of always playing LeBron. As a Knicks fan, I know what that is like. 
It's not fun. When you always got to go against the best player playing, you know, and you don't have two or three, sometimes four of the best players on your side, yeah, you're not going to come out on you're not going to come out on the positive side of that equation. It's just not going to happen. But for one year, even if Kawhi leaves, they had millions of people at their parade. Lord only knows the number of Kawhis that will be born nine months from now, right? Like, that city of Toronto, obviously, that area, hell, the whole country, right? That means so much. The, the Vince Carter documentary on Netflix talked about how Vince meant so much to basketball. I'm a Nick fan. R.J. Barrett, a Toronto-born child. Third overall pick in the draft, right? All of this, I don't think it's hyperbole to say that Vince Carter played a, a huge effect and had a huge impact on basketball up north. Likewise, I don't think it's, I don't think it's, you know, me being overzealous at all to say that this championship run may be one of the, the best runs in Canadian professional sports history, right? Because how long has it been since Joe Carter? You know what I mean? Like, how long has that been? And I'm saying this as a Knicks fan, and I can tell you, one championship run, not even a championship, just a championship run would mean so much to me. I remember 1999 so much. And I remember 2000, the last time we went to a conference championship, the year after the finals run. I still remember that. And I hold on to that. I was a teenager when that happened, bro. I was in high school. I'm 36 years old now. That's a long time ago. But I hold on to those moments because... They don't, they're not promised. They really aren't. I live in D.C. You know how much Wizards fans would die for a championship run? Not even a championship, just one run. How much does one championship run mean to you? You can answer that in your own head, in your own privacy, your home, in your car, you're working out in the gym, whatever the case may be. Every team, they're not the Lakers. Every team is not the Celtics. Right, one championship to those two teams probably doesn't mean as much as it does to Toronto. In fact, I know it doesn't. You know, the Lakers, they they live they live the, the grunt life for like five years and then all hell breaks loose. Sisters are firing brothers, hiring magic, magic quitting without telling anybody this backstab backstabbing, all this stuff is going on, and then what happens? They get Anthony Davis. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, they, I don't, certain teams will never know the struggle. It's not fair, but it's reality. If you, are, if you are a Boston sports fan, you win championships every two years on average. It's nuts. It is absolutely nuts. If you're a DC fan, like, you just got the caps. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You just got the caps. That's it. I'm a Knicks fan, bro. I don't even know when I'll see a run. We won 54 wins six years ago. It feels like it was 26 years ago. It's how long it's been. And the Raptors, they went all in as they should. I wish more teams 
more teams would take that attitude, not just blindly chasing after a player, right? Not just overvaluing points per game or name recognition, how many times they're on Sports Center or whatever. But no, absolutely finding, yo, Kawhi Leonard is worth it. Doesn't matter. And not only that, and we're going to get on to this a little bit later with our guests, they didn't give up anything. No disrespect to DeMar DeRozan. Okay? They kept Pascal Siakam. They kept OG Ananobi. They still have, they only had to give up one first round pick. That pick ended up being the 29th pick. Come on, bro. That's masterful. Masterful. And a year ago, people were doubting it and questioning it. Just like now, people are doubting and questioning the Anthony Davis trade. And the Lakers gave up a whole hell of a lot, hell of a lot more than the Raptors did. But players like Kawhi Leonard, players like Anthony Davis, they just do not become available that frequently. And I understand that Paul George was made available a few years ago. He's not on their level. I understand Kyrie Irving was made available just a few years ago. He's not on their level. Neither is Kimba. Neither is Jimmy. None of these guys. Tobias, no. No. That's the problem with so much of the, the, the talk around the NBA because so many people are convinced good players are great, right? Which, and, and if you can't see the distinction between the two, you're destined for failure. I know. My team did it. We thought Amari and Carmelo were great players. And they weren't. Amari because of injury. Melo because he never really was a great player. He was very good. You can't have very good be your, your headliner. If you do, you better have the best ensemble cast this side of the office. Because if you don't, oh, bro, you, you see it. Let me know when y'all want to have a, a full hour long show about my misery as a Knicks fan. Because I got, I got like 30 30 hour long shows that I could do at the drop of a dime. <laughs> and, it, and all the success that we've had over the last few few weeks will go right down the toilet. Because nobody, none of y'all want to hear that, but it's all good. I got a vent from time to time. But honestly, bro, make sure, make sure you keep up on the people that you listen to. Make sure you follow the people for real. Because a lot of people faking right now. A lot of people act like, yo, I knew it. I saw somebody tweet the other day. I think it was, I'm not going to say it. I think somebody's like questioning, I mean, who really thought that the Kawhi trade wasn't going to be, uh, wasn't going to work out? Like they were serious, like literally questioning, like who actually questioned if this trade was going to be a success or not? As if people like myself were just making this up, pulling it out of the air. And then of course, Cold Takes Exposed tweeted their montage of several different national personalities making a fool out of themselves, right? And I'm, I'm so proud, I'm so happy that that exists because like we talked about a few weeks ago, people who can't admit that they're wrong, man, bro, I can't trust them. Shout out to Public Enemy. Can't trust it. For real. You should be a huge red flag. But if you did not think, and I remove Raptors fans from this discussion for a bit because... Obviously, there was an emotional tie and emotional attachment to DeMar DeRozan, which obviously clouds 
certain things. But if you have no ties to the Raptors, no ties to the Spurs, and you didn't think that the Raptors came out like came out like thieves off of this last year, not not once you knew the result, but real time. I question everything that you got to say. I question everything that you think about the NBA. Bro, I was saying the Wizards should have traded for Kawhi. The Sixers should have traded for Kawhi. The Celtics. Everybody should have traded for Kawhi. He's that good. <laughs> it's not a surprise that he played this way when he was healthy. He's that good. And it's not going to be a surprise that Anthony Davis balls out next year. Because, like Triple H said, he's that damn good, bro. Hopefully you guys open your eyes up, man. But if you have any questions about how much a championship means to you or how much your favorite team should offer up for a chance at a championship, not a guarantee, but just a chance, hit me up on Twitter at Quarterly Show. That's Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E -E -E Show. Or email me at Quarterly Report at gmail.com. Again, we spell quarterly, Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E. -E. All right, guys, so we talked about the championship, but you know what? This past week, there was another big day in the NBA circles. We're going to talk about the NBA draft for our second topic this week. Second. I love quarter. the NBA draft. I love it. I remember way back as a kid watching it on TNT, you know, Ernie Johnson holding it down, the GOAT, the greatest of all time. Now, all of a sudden, it's on ESPN. I wish it goes back to TNT, but, you know, we're not going to start that here. But as much as I love the NBA draft, I love seeing the kids get up on stage and fulfill a dream. And this year in particular, you had Zion, very emotional, RJ, super emotional, uh, Ja, very calm and confident. I mean, I just really enjoy that, man, because... You know, much of us at some point growing up, we all wanted to play in the NBA. And I'm sure many of you all listening, no matter if it was earlier in your life before you realized quickly that the, your hoop dreams wouldn't come to fruition. Or maybe you really did later into your life. Maybe you played D1 ball and you thought, yo, this could still be a possibility. No matter when it happened, I think many of us can envision what that moment must feel like. Chilling with your family behind the scenes and then walking on stage, putting that hat on. It's just such a dope moment. And I really, I really, really enjoy and really, really love the NBA draft. And then when you add on the potential moves, the trades, and all of the angling, the, the false rumors, the reports, I dig all of that. All of that stuff, I'm with it. However... There is a large part, a large part of everything surrounding the NBA draft, particularly immediately following the NBA draft that I cannot stand. I can't. I mean, I, I have a visceral reaction just thinking about it. And it's all of the I got to be first quick reaction. This guy is the bust. This guy is going to be a stud. All of this instant information, this instant analysis, dog. Yo, what? Why? <laughs> you know, in the first quarter, I said, yo, if someone cannot admit when they're wrong, ring the alarm. The red flags have to be raised immediately. Understand you're dealing with a lane. Similarly, 
Batmans who just can't for the life of them say, you know what? Three simple words. I don't know. I don't know. That's all you have to say. Everybody has to have a hot take about every every little pick. Not only do, can you have a complaint about a pick, but then you got to then tell everybody who you would have picked. And all of this is based on the, what, five games you may have seen a particular player play in the tournament. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, Joe, stop it. If you scout for a living, this does not apply to you. I'm talking about the day-to-day average Joe like myself. Like myself. Thursday, I watched the, I watched the tournament. I'm all in. I'm excited because I love the draft. I, I told you guys, I love the draft. I've always loved the draft. I like the build-up. I like everything up until the point where people start letting everybody know why this guy will be a bust or why they should have drafted this guy. There were so many people in the area in which I live in screaming for Bowl Bowl to be taken ninth. For real. And I'm not, that's not a knock on anybody. But it just, I say that to illustrate the ignorance that all of us who are not privy to so much information that these teams and, and scouts and front offices have. There is a reason Bobo went in the second round, and I'm imagining it's because there are so many health concerns regarding his body. Now, nobody on Twitter who was talking about Bobo being a top 10 pick knew anything about it. And from a talent standpoint, and I guess production standpoint, sure, right? He played very well in the games that he had in Oregon, but he didn't play a full season. And now, apparently, right, every team passed on him. Many of them passed on him twice. Imagine Twitter guy taking Bull Bull with the ninth pick, right? Knowing that his body has red flags all up and down him. Sometimes it works. And I know a lot of you guys say, hey, look, the Nuggets took him. The Nuggets took Michael Porter last year. Raise your hand if you know Michael Porter is definitely going to be a stud. Raise your hand. Because none of us know this. Last year, before the playoffs started, once Gordon Hayward was hurt, I was like, yo, the Celtics need to move Gordon Hayward now. Get off of that contract now. And so many people, Celtics fans, NBA fans, casual fans, told me I was nuts for that. Because the idea of a player and his potential is still so much stronger in the abstract. Because once you see a player come back, and look, we saw Gordon Hayward this year, and it was a lot of ups and a lot of downs. And I think most people feel he's going to improve. The longer he trusts, the longer he's removed, the further he's removed from his injury, the more trust he can build on his leg, the more trust he can build on his body, the better of a player he's going to be. We all know that. But people act like Gordon Hayward has got the plague now. If you imagine if the Celtics were to move or try to move Gordon Hayward last year, even after the injury, and imagine what offer they would have to take back to move Gordon Hayward now. And the only thing that has changed is that we have seen him play now. So right now, the idea of Michael Porter looks really good. Yo, this guy was going to be this, 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 this. But we don't know what it's going to be once he finally plays. But that idea, that concept, right? The idea of a person, an idea of how good a player will be, applies throughout all of this draft analysis. No one has seen any of these players play against NBA talent, night in and night out. But so many of y'all are so quick to be like, yo, this guy is going to be bust. 
Rui Hachimura, I don't even know how to say his last name. I'm not even trying to be disrespectful. The, the boy from Gonzaga that the Wizards drafted. Dog, you would have thought he was the worst player in life. So many people immediately follow. Like, oh, I can't believe it. Oh, it's Ernie being Ernie again. Oh, my God. Blah, 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 blah. Dog, I wouldn't have taken him. I thought Brandon Clark is the better prospect than Rui, right? But I don't know. I don't know. Those three beautiful words. I have no idea what this player will become or what he won't become. I hope, I hope R.J. Barrett is a good NBA player. <laughs> I hope it. I've got no clue, right? The best thing about RJ that I've seen, and I do not watch college basketball, so all of my information is based off of numbers. The best thing about RJ's game that I, I, I've noticed is his playmaking ability. Gets assists, he gets to the rim. I like that, right? Can't shoot. Question his shot, <laughs> his shot selection. There are a lot of other things that I have an issue with. But his ability to make plays, I'm rocking. I don't know if that translates to on the next level, and if it does translate how successful he will become with it, right? But I hope. And if you're a Wizards fan or if you're a, a, a Grizzlies fan or, you know, what other 28 teams that exist, right? There's nothing wrong with hope. This is the moment to hope. You just drafted a player. This is it. Like, bong, okay. But all this idea that we know what a player will become because of the 30-some-odd games they played in college, Versus a bunch of guys who couldn't compete, you know, in Europe. And what does that tell? Like, what does that mean? It means nothing. You guys showing me these these clips. <laughs> Somebody on Twitter the other day, man. It was it was so after everybody, all of the Wizards fans ripped Roy the shreds on draft night. The following day, somebody sent this video. You know, everybody does this now where they they. they uh, tweet out videos and they like to illustrate what positive things this player can do. But they chose Gonzaga's first round game against like F something Dickerson, like a one sixteen matchup. And I'm thinking, bro, what do you hope to learn from watching an NBA player play against a 16 seed, a team full of guys who probably have never thought for years that they didn't make it to the league. Like, what would be what would be the point of watching that video as a way to show, like, hey, this is what he does well. Dog, you put any of those NBA guys up against me, they're going to look like Michael Jordan or Shaquille O'Neal, dog. Like, everybody, and I, and, I, and I wonder how many fans truly feel this way. With the exception of the guy who doesn't have a passion for basketball, but he just has been given a ball, his entire life because he's really, really big. Every single player in the NBA, right? So let's say there's 3% of some, you know, Eastern European player who, who never wants to play basketball, who was just born in Serbia, and he was just taller than everybody else, right? Let's just remove them. Let's say that represents 2 to 4%, say 3% of the NBA players. 97% of the league is really, 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 really good at basketball, bro. So if you put them up against college players, yeah, they're going to look like studs. That then does not mean that they're going to be a superstar or an all-star. I wish I had the article, man, because a few years ago I was reading up. It was a study, I believe, actually. And they were saying on average, there are really only two to three stars 
in any given NBA draft class. Now, obviously, it's an average, right? Some classes have a bunch of them, right? You know, it could be, a, what was it, Kyrie, Kawhi, Clay, Jimmy, I believe, were all in the same class. So, yeah, that works. And then sometimes, uh, you may just get cat, okay? Like, that. Those those drafts happen as well. But on average, about two to three, let's just say three stars, it's incredibly difficult. It is so hard. If you're in the lottery, every lottery team wants to get the next superstar. Everybody wants to find the next Kawhi or the next Giannis who were taken right outside the lottery. Slim. Number one, if you are in the lottery, more times than that, that means you are a bad team. Not always, but most cases. The teams who are in the lottery are not good. The reason you are not good isn't because you don't have the next Giannis or the next Kawhi. It's because precisely you guys tried to find the home run. Getting on base is so important, bro. <laughs> it really is. The bad teams in this league are bad not because they don't have Kawhi. They're bad because they don't have any good players. You need good players. And not every player is going to be Kawhi. Not every player, good player, is going to be Giannis. You need to find good players to put around. Hell, case in point, the New Orleans Pelicans had Chris Paul. They couldn't build a championship contender around him. They then got Anthony Davis, and we saw how poorly they built around him. And now they got Zion. You can have two of the best players of their generation, Chris Paul and Anthony Davis, and still not be a good team. It's not just about finding the star. You still have to surround them. But every team that I, or every fan that I saw Thursday and, and the subsequent days that followed, it wasn't about just finding a good player. No, it's always about finding the superstar. And that's the problem. If you always swing for the fence, you'll always be in the lottery. <laughs> it's not a coincidence that the Knicks and the Suns and the Kings and all these teams are always in the lottery. The Minnesota Timberwolves got Carl Anthony Towns from day one was amazing. And guess what? They're back in the lottery. It's because you're always swinging for the fences. You don't always have to try to find the next Russell Westbrook. You know, Robert Covington is important too. Steven Adams is important. Everybody chases after, oh, man, Donovan Mitchell. Guess what? Rudy Gobert. He's important. Rudy Gobert is better than Donovan Mitchell, number one. But, yo, you need guys like that. The Marcus Smarts, they're important. The Al Horfords, important, vital. It's not always about the next LeBron. You'll spend your entire life trying to find them. And then when you're on your deathbed, you'll look up and realize, yo, the next LeBron isn't here. And even if you get the next LeBron, look what it took to beat him. It took a Duncan, a Ginobili, a Parker, a Kawhi, a Patty Mills. Or it took a Dirk, a Tyson Chandler, Jason Kidd, Sean Marion, J.J. Barrera. Or it took Clay, Steph, Kevin Durant, Draymond Green. You can chase the one while everybody else is tooling up.
I hope we could get past this point, bro, because I tweeted out draft night. I don't know what's worse. Instant draft reaction. Oh, my God, I can't believe we drafted this guy. He's a bust. Oh, my God, look at his wingspan. He's going to be amazing. Real quick. Y'all got to stop with that. Stop with, yo, look at his wingspan. Look at his vertical. Look how athletic, look how he's a walking bucket. That's the same dumb stuff y'all used when y'all were praising Andrew Wiggins a few years ago. And Slim, y'all remember in the first quarter when I was like, yo, go on Twitter. Search Andrew Wiggins in your favorite, you know, persons that you follow's uh, name. And see, you'll see a lot of this tweet has been deleted. Bama scrub their mistakes. You can chase height and what looks the part and athleticism and wingspan and vertical and dog and walking bucket and all the stupid narratives and cliches that come around NBA talk. And you'll find a whole wreck of Andrew Wiggins and Derek Williams and all this other stuff. All these guys who look the part but can't, can't play. Yo, we got to stop that, man. I don't know what's worse. Instant draft reaction or the Bamas who claim that every album is a is a classic three hours after you, it was released. Stop it. Stop both of them. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Y'all have ruined the excitement for me when a new release comes out. I remember the time when a new release came out and I know I sound old. Get off my lawn with it. Get off my lawn with it right now. But yo, let me live. I remember when you would get a, a new joint and you would listen to it and you would let it sit. And then you would listen to it with your partners in school or after school or your, your team or whatever the case. And then it would grow on you. And you could be like, yo, did you hear it? You dissect it gradually, right? So then a month or so later, you're like, Slim, this thing still rock. I remember going to school, an album drop the last month of school. And then you come back the next year and everybody had a whole summer to rock with it. It's like, yo, that was, it's dark and hell is hot for me. I remember Freshman year of high school, that joint dropped. And then sophomore year in high school, Bamas was still playing it. It was like, yo, X is on something. Right? That joint was stupid hard. Now, Bamas trying to do everything in two hours. Like, bro, what? what? Y'all have ruined that experience for me. I hate y'all for that. You know? All of you kiss my black ass. Seriously. I will not allow you to ruin the draft for me, however. Stop it. None of you all are Jerry West. Most of you all do not have medicals for any of these players. Right? Sit back, pop some popcorn, get your beverage, and enjoy the show. And have hope. Right? We've all got hope, and that's not a bad thing. But stop faking like you Jerry West, bro, because you're not. All right, y'all. Y'all heard the horn, man. Again, man, that's something near and dear to me. I love the draft, but I was so mad watching watching the reaction afterwards. I'm like, bro, what's wrong with y'all, man? What's wrong? Y'all have no idea. None of us do. None of us do. The most thing, the, the surest thing that I have am is that Zion will be a beast. And even that, I'm not certain because he's one injury away, right? Dog, he's in New Orleans. It's fried everything. He, the LBs could come real quick. I'm not wishing any of that on him. But nothing is a sure thing. Nothing. <sighs> I'm 
Man, I'm not gonna let y'all blow. I'm not gonna let y'all ruin the draft for me, Slim. I'm going down fighting, Joe. I beat Jon Snow, battle the bastards with it. Me versus all y'all bammers. I'm not going to let y'all do it, Joe. All right, let me get off this. We're moving on. One beautiful thing, and you guys heard the horn, so that means it's halftime. And one of the best things about the draft, despite everyone's best attempt of ruining it, ruining it for me was this impromptu rap battle between Damian Lillard and Marvin Bagley the third, I believe, right? Hey, bro, I'm old. I have no idea how that started. I don't even want to know how it started. I'm listening to everybody gassed up Damian. Look, man, Damian's nice. Damian's wordplay, he's very calm with his delivery. I like I like Damian. He's smooth with it, right? But everybody jumped on Damian. Like, oh, man, Damian killed Marvin. Blah, blah, blah. So I was like, okay, what did Marvin do? And at that time, Marvin hadn't released anything. Apparently, he just he just said Damian Lillard's name, and Dame went at him. And everybody was quick to bury Marvin. Hey, Joe, I'm going to be real with you. I heard Marvin's response. <laughs> I don't know what y'all talking about. I don't know what y'all talking about. I'll say this. Damian Lillard's wordplay is better than Marvin Bagley. But Marvin Bagley's flow... Dog, he was hungry, and you could hear it, and he was chomping at the bit. I'm not going to say who won, who lost, but it wasn't any type of one-sided one-sided display the way y'all making it seem to be. I don't know what y'all was listening to, but I like it. So I love the NBA for so many reasons, many of which have nothing to do with basketball. I don't understand. Joe, the NBA truly is the golden goose. Like, you have to go out of your way to ruin basketball on a professional landscape in the United States of America. Because what other league has something like that happen in one of its biggest nights? I, I mean, I talked to you guys earlier. Can you imagine if TNT was doing the draft when that broke out? ESPN, I don't even know if they touched it. You know Shaq Barkley and those guys would have started cracking jokes. That joke was amazing. It's Amazing content, 24-7, 365, the NBA. But I wish this type of entertainment could find its way into other aspects of our life. Case in point, we are fastly approaching campaign season 2020, y'all. I know. I can hear the size. I'm not ready. I'm scared. 2016 gave me P you know, PTSD, dog. I'm, I'm scared. I don't know what the hell 2020 got in store for us. But imagine how much lighter, or at least how much more entertaining the campaign season would be before what I'm sure to be a disastrous finish. Imagine how entertaining the campaign season would be if instead of these debates, we had candidates saying, you know what, scratch all that, me and you, for the battle. Well, that's what we thought about here on the Quarterly Report, and we imagine it would sound something like this. Bigly, bigly, everybody wants to see me out. Quickly, quickly, but I make all my supporters shout. Dig me, dig me, come on, if you think I'm out. 20, 20, it's fake news. Yo, it's 45, in your eye, staying alive, do or die. Listen, clueless Joe, you don't want it with me. You're very, very bad. Matter of fact, you're somehow more racist than I. I don't even know how that's possible. 
Bernie Sanders, you're a kook. Very, very, very scary things would happen to Bernie Sanders if he was in office. Socialism is a bad thing. Pocahontas, you don't want it with me. I never liked that movie anyway. Matter of fact, didn't Mel Gibson end up getting Pocahontas in the end? Mel Gibson, you know what time it is. He's part of my tribe. Very, very good man, by the way. Kamala Harris, I'm not even going to talk to you. I'm not even going to speak anything about you until you become a threat. I don't need those problems on my hand. It's 45. I'm not going anywhere. Shout out to the red states. We in here, bitch. Yo. <laughs> hey, shout out to the hate mail that I'm going to get for talking about the president. I I haven't. We don't try to editorialize too much here on the show. Man, like the first 30 or so episodes, man, I, it was a few shots I took. And Batman, you would have... I, I got so much mail with people getting mad. And I'm thinking, like, dog, at that point, people weren't even listening to the pod like that. So I'm like, yo, how do y'all even know about it? But, you know, whatever. You know, we have a reality television. We have a reality TV president. Honestly, having a rap bat battle during the debates, while it would be hilarious and great entertainment value, it would be the worst thing that this country needs, right? Idiocracy is the movie, right? We are headed toward that reality in warp speed. We really are. But we already kind of there. So I'm all, it's like part of me, a small part, part of me is going to be like, yo, we might as well just lean into it. Shout out to Bernie Sanders. I think he have a strong 16 off the top. You know what I'm saying? His delivery probably is trash. But I think Bernie could rhyme some words together. I, you know, I think he and Elizabeth, you know, actually, I shouldn't say that. I would be intrigued to see specifically the Democratic Party. Just spit some 16s, man. Let's see what y'all got. Let's see it, you know? But it, truly, don't do it. It would be the worst thing for this country. Like, bro, again, it's already bad, bro. It's already bad. We, we live in, in a silly world, you know? Anyway, the, the whole genesis of that halftime was to really shout out Damian Lillard and Marvin Bagley. I really enjoyed it. They really enhanced the draft night for me. I really enjoyed them two going back and forth. Marvin is not as well known as Dame, so I think some of y'all, y'all was just riding the wave. But Marvin, I thought he did his thing. I would love to see another round. But it seems as if they have moved on. So keeping in the spirit of moving on, we have made our halftime adjustments. We are moving on to the second half. And to start the second half, I'm welcoming in a first-time guest onto the show, Russell Peddle. All right, guys, I'm very pleased to join first-time guest on the show, Russell Peddle. He's an NBA writer for Number Fire, formerly of Raptors HQ. Obviously a Raptors fan, someone from the North, uh, still probably celebrating the championship. Russell, thank you so much for finding time for me this week on the Quarterly Report. Oh, it's my pleasure. Good to you know take some time in between this year-long celebration that I've got going. <laughs> Make sure you guys follow Russell on Twitter. He's at Rusty Pedal Bike, and we're just going to get straight to it. Um, Obviously, the championship is still fresh in everyone's minds. Um, the Raptors, a lot was made of, obviously, Masai's decision to go all in, if you will. Not just with the Kawhi trade, but then also trading Valanciunas for Gasol. And basically lining everything up for this one prolonged championship run. Uh, I started the show talking about 
one championship means so much to certain franchises. As a Knicks fan, there are relatives that I would probably offer up for just a, not even a championship, <laughs> but just a run. Can yeah. you talk about just the importance of this last week and this, this entire run for not just Raptors fans and not even just the city of Toronto, but almost the, the entire nation? Oh, definitely the entire nation. Um, the thing about being a Raptors fan is no matter, like, what sub what, what category you put yourself in, you end up being an underdog. Uh, like, you're in Canada, it's really, right. the national sport is hockey, so if you're a basketball fan, you know, you're, you're a secondary sports fan. In the NBA, the Raptors, for the better part of their 24-year history, have been a joke. Even when they've been good, they've been... You know, the whole Lebronto thing. They're getting swept by the Cavs. They're getting swept by the Wizards. They're, sure. you know, they're the butt of a lot of jokes. So you're you're always you're always an underdog. And then you feel like, you know, oh, same old Raptors. Anytime anything goes wrong. And here we are now. Uh, it was like the whole time throughout the run, I was like, okay, I'm not going to let myself believe it. I'm not going <laughs> to let myself believe it. And even in the last game, with 0.9 seconds left on the clock, that felt like it took, you know, right. an hour. It was like, this This is perfect. This is exactly how the Raptors are supposed to win a championship. Like, completely anticlimactic way, where it's like, you can, you, you literally, until the second burns off the clock, cannot believe it's actually happening. Once again, I, guys, I'm, I'm joined by Russell Peddle. And, you know, it's funny you mentioned kind of how the Raptors are looked upon. I, don't, I can't really speak to how it is in Canada, but stateside. And, I, and I've gotten, you know, I live in D.C., so there's this weird Wizards-Raptors thing. I don't know if that exists up there, but down here it oh, does. Yeah. And it's odd. I don't know why, but I always mention to people, I'm like, the Raptors went to the conference championship like four years ago. You know what I mean? So like, yeah, yeah they ran into LeBron all the time. And that sucks. As a Knicks fan, I know firsthand what it's like to run into the best player in the league over and over and over <laughs> again. It's not fun. But yeah. the idea that the Raptors were these failures and like, uh oh, here's the playoffs. I felt like that was a bit unfair. Yeah, I think it was, too. I mean. Most teams, 29 teams, fail to win the championship every year, and we kind of hold it against some teams more than others. Right. That, that they don't. And uh, But it, it's one of those things. Like, once you've got that championship, no one's going to take that away from you. I, I feel what's funny about in the fan base right now, you look on Twitter, or you look anywhere where Raptors fans are, they, they there's a certain swag now that everyone's just <laughs> like, you can't take this away from us. We have a championship. For sure. Like, even try to add your asterisks or whatever. Like this was a team of destiny this year. You look at the, you know, the four bounces to put away the Sixers, the winning four straight games against the the, the Bucks. Bucks, winning all three games in Oracle in the in the finals. Even even though they were shorthanded, it's just like it it was a it was the run we were supposed to have, and it's one that I'll never forget for sure. For sure. Once again, guys, I'm joined by Russell Peddle. He is an NBA writer at Numbers Fire. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at Rusty Pedal Bike. Obviously a Raptors fan and covers the Raptors and spent much time covering the Raptors in the past as well. Um, I want to get to this because at the moment of the trade last year, or I guess a little less or over a year ago, mm-hmm. um, you know, I remember thinking, and, you know, obviously there's a connection, a personal connection that Raptors fans would have with DeMar DeRozan, and I understand that. But I always thought it was a calculated risk. Like, Kawhi Leonard is one of the very few special, like truly special. Every, the, the term superstar gets thrown around way too frequently. But Kawhi is a truly special player. And, mm-hmm. I, you know, I guess some of the criticism was, you know what, Kawhi could leave in one season. And, yeah, that's true. And I think this time last year, the, I, the percentage was extremely high, that Kawhi would bounce when his one year in Toronto was up. I'm curious 
how did you kind of uh, handicap keeping Kawhi a year ago and how much that has changed after this championship run for you? That's a really interesting question. Like everything around that trade, um, being a Raptors fan for literally the entirety of their existence, right. DeRozan had a special place in our hearts. Like he was a guy that wanted to be here. He was American born sure. um, guy who just completely adopted the Raptors who, and we completely adopted him. And so it was hard to see him go, but then you're getting this generational player like Kawhi. There are, there's a handful of people that you can really put in the best in the league conversation. And because of his two way play, you know, at his best, he, he has that. We got him at a bit of a, I would even say a discount because of course that nine game season he had just before it and the kind of the follow with the San Antonio Spurs. Right. But you know, we, we typically don't get those types of signings in Toronto. Like our biggest signings tend to be like people like Damari Carroll or, uh, right. Hidu Turkoglu and those are like some of the biggest signings in the team's history like signing away from somewhere else so it's not like a Kevin Durant or LeBron James or whatever when they hit free agency Toronto's name doesn't come up so you got to take that big trade swing to get it and honestly the team the team with the Rosen and Lowry and Valanciunas like was a team that I, I loved deeply as a as you know a long-suffering Raptors fan and I had a lot of I had a lot of respect for those players and it was hard to see them go and it was hard to see Dwayne Casey coach of the year fired too but I, I have a lot of respect for Masai Ujiri and the big swings, like the championship swings, and obviously it paid off in the end. But, I mean, even – I remember when the, sh when the shot went down at the end of uh, the Philadelphia series, and it was kind of like atonement for the Vince Carter one that didn't go down right. like, 18 years before. It was like, there you go, trade worth it. Yeah. Uh, everything after this is gravy. Like, that, for, to have that moment, to have that feeling, to have that – that idea that you can be like, ooh, maybe this team could win a championship. Even just to have that feeling was enough. To, 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 to get all the rest was like, it's just unbelievable. It's gravy. So the way I feel about Kawhi now and the chances of leaving, yeah, last year I would have thought he'll do his year as and he'll go. He's a quiet guy, but every sign seems to point towards that. And, you know, it's hard to leave, imagine him leaving after getting a championship. Like, no superstar players really left the team immediately following winning a championship. Right. In NBA history, you've got uh, he's going around Toronto now. He, he, we had like a, a massive, massive parade. Right. We, our, our fan base is showing him all kinds of love. I just as a human being myself, when I look at that, I'm like, how would I leave that situation? Even as someone who moved away from my home right. for work, I'm like, yeah, I could do that for that. But it, it's up to him if he goes. And it's the funny thing now is if he goes tomorrow, he's still going to get a standing ovation every time he walks into Toronto. He's never going to pay for a meal or a drink there ever again because he brought the team a championship. So it's the funny thing is, is going into free agency, it's like it doesn't really matter if he stays or he goes because he brought something to this team that legitimately it felt as a Raptors fan that you might never actually feel or set, like get to experience in your lifetime. That would be great if he stayed. I hope he does. I think the chances of him staying have to be higher now because, as I said, I don't know how you leave right. the situation. He talks about not caring about personal alcohol accolades caring about winning and this is a good situation to win in i mean he, he literally just did so yeah anywhere else you go if you go to the clippers there's obviously some growing pains there it could still happen but do you have the does the team have the right makeup we don't know we know in toronto he can win and he could do it again so i don't know i i, I feel like my my thought is the short-term deal especially because it brings him to the service time thing right and i i think that that's that's probably the most likely scenario and although I would be like, it would be amazing if he resigns because it would be the biggest signing in, in, you know, our team's history. Um, 
I wouldn't be entirely surprised because I feel like all the ground has been laid. But if he leaves, then you say, well, there's nothing we ever could have done because we did everything we could have. You know, you bring up a lot of interesting points because I never really thought of it. Uh, You're right. For a a champion, and not just like a a piece, but like the centerpiece, the finals MVP to leave after winning the championship, it's never happened before outside of Jordan retiring, and that's a completely different dynamic. But leaving a team, it's never happened before. So that is something I never even really thought about it. And, you know, it's funny. It it definitely states out. I don't know how much you guys get this up there. Toronto, literally, and I'm not just saying this because you're on the line with me, but it is Mm -hmm. one of my favorite, if not the favorite city that I've ever been in the world. Oh, it's fantastic. And Carabana hasn't even happened yet. So you guys (laughs) still have that up your sleeve. You know what I mean? It's like... Keeping Kawhi is like a real I, – I would have to say you guys are the favorite. I, I would think so. Like, if I were a betting man, I think that's where I would go. And I, I, I'm going to feel really good if he does. Um, but, like, yeah, if I said, as I said, if he goes, I mean, there's nothing we could have done. Yeah. We, we, we threw the man a three-million-person three <laughs> parade. Uh, he gets he, – he goes to, like, the baseball stadium, the local baseball stadium, and gets a big standing ovation like the team hasn't even gotten this year. Uh <laughs> You know, we, we're tracking them going through Home Depot, Niagara Falls. Like, right. it's yeah. it's funny, but I don't know. You look at the the parade and where everyone's trying to read the tea leaves and everything, and all, all the way that he acts when people say things. And I think, thankfully, I don't think the fans have been too pressing. I don't think the the media has been too pressing. Obviously, you have to ask those questions, but for sure, hopefully, you know, we did the best we could. And, you know, what happens, happens. I, I wish him all the best, no matter what happens, because I'm going to be living off this championship for a long time. I mean, I I, I, I blew a lot of savings on championship here because I don't know <laughs> if we're ever going to get back here again. I got things that I have literally no use for, just they have Raptors championship symbol on it, like bobbleheads. I don't even know what I'm going to do with them. I guess I'll put them in my office. I don't know how obnoxious i would be if i can ever live to see a next championship so I'm, I'm all the way with it man i just i don't even drink coffee i'd buy coffee mugs and coasters it'd be ridiculous it'd be i wish it so- on you man that's the <laughs> thing with this I, I i said like everyone needs to experience it everyone has, has to know this feeling there's something about sports in general that yeah. is just it's it's the, one of the rare things that we hold over from our childhood where that kind of excitement we don't let ourselves really have as adults, but with sports we get to do that, and especially for long-suffering franchises like, like the Raptors, like the Knicks, to experience that in your lifetime. Like I wish that on anyone because it's been it's been a wild ride. Like I the, the, just to describe the happiness I've had as an adult, like just the <laughs> giddy childlike happiness I've had over the past couple of weeks has been an amazing feeling, and I just hope everyone gets every sports fan gets to experience that at some point in their lifetime. Once again, guys, I'm joined by Russell Petal. He is an NBA writer at Number Fire. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at Rusty Petal Bike. Uh, breaking down the Raptors championship run and their potential. And, you know, we discussed, you know, the Clippers being basically the, the lone rival to, you know, pry Kawhi away from Toronto. And, yeah, they're going to be growing pains if he were to leave for the Clippers. But one thing I think is, isn't being talked about enough is that the Raptors actually, in my opinion, if Kawhi stays, they're going to be better. Uh, I foolishly, and I don't even know how foolish it was, but last year I was like, yo, OG Ananobi was going to be the guy to have this breakout season. And obviously he had a lot of personal issues and then health. Um, and Pascal turned into this budding star. And now you would imagine with a full offseason, you know, 
to rehab and to get himself together. And then obviously his family situation is different. I still think OG has all the makings to be a number two option on a championship team. And that's not even talking about the natural progression that one would expect from Pascal. Uh, talk about, or if you don't mind, how, how are the Raptors fans up north? How, how are people feeling about OG? And is his stock still as high as it was about a year ago? Well, the interesting thing about OG, because he didn't play in this year's playoffs, like he had that appendectomy just before it, and there was talk of him coming back, and then it, it never really came. Like, I think he was ready to go, but in incorporating him in something right. on a stage like the finals was probably, it was probably a good move by Nick Nurse to hold off on that. And, you know, his minutes were mostly absorbed by the likes of Norm Powell. You know, you replace hit Norm's minutes with OG minutes, you're probably getting better. You're getting better player, you're getting better sure. defensive play for sure. Um, is, am I ready to see him vault up to the top of the team? Like uh, Siakam really made a, just a, a crazy, it was amazing. It, it, a leap like I remember a couple a few years back even being on like writing for a rap for a Raptors site and a Raptors HQ as you mentioned off the top and um being on podcasts and things and talking about like trying to find who's going to be the team's starting center because I mean we got a problem if it's going to be Pascal Siakam yeah and now you know I'm eating crow on that because he did the guy just made crazy crazy leaps it was so, amazing I'd like to see OG do that, but I'm, I'm not gonna. I don't think I'm gonna put that pressure on him just yet. The funny thing about him is, after this playoff run, I feel like he's kind of the forgotten man. We haven't talked about him very much. For sure, there's so much else to focus on, like the is Kawhi staying or going, Kyle Lowry getting his championship, and people kind of getting to see what we love so much about Kyle Lowry. And as Raptors fans, he's kind of been our our indie band through all of this because we 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 love him deeply and think that he's just For sure. fantastic and. You know, we'll we'll start mentioning him in top point guard conversations that people think we're crazy, but like you really saw it on display on this run. So a guy like OG, like I remember even in the parade, I was watching the parade and they were all up on the stage and OG was there and there was a moment where I was like, Oh yeah, OG, we saw That's him. right. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's he, there goes OG. Yeah, because we haven't really been talking about him much. So I, you know, it, which is cool because it kind of puts him in a position now where the pressure's off him a bit, and For so sure. he's a bit of a got a bit of post hype. Uh, potential there next year to really make an impact. I think that he could, uh, and especially if Kawhi leaves, of course, he's going to have to absorb a lot of those minutes. So um, we'll see, man. We'll see. I'd, I'd love to see it. But uh, we're already with found money with guys like Siakam breaking out and a Van Bleed, an undrafted guy being, uh, you know, a guy that got a finals MVP vote t- taken away from Kawhi Leonard. So right. we're, we're already playing with house money here. Once again, guys, I'm joined by Russell Peddle. He is writer for NBA for an NBA writer, excuse me, for Number Fire. And again, as he said, formerly of Raptors HQ. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at Rusty Pedal Bike on Twitter. And I'm gonna get you out of here with this last question. Um, you you mentioned Kyle Lowry briefly. It's it's My weird. Boy. Yeah, man, it's weird. I, I can imagine how frustrating it must be for Raptors fans because Kyle Lowry gets ripped to shreds throughout NBA Twitter and. I don't living in DC. I, again, I don't understand the the Wizards Raptors. It's not really even a rivalry. I don't know what it is. It's just it's just, just a couple and, of playoff matchups. I think that yeah, sweep a few years back really just kind of made us sour. Yeah, um, but you know Lowry, I've always appreciated. I've always felt that he was underrated defensively. What he does is amazing. There are not yeah, that right. many point guards who who do what he can do like that on the defensive end and then still be a significant contributor offensively, an amazing shooter, and, you know, takes care of the ball. Um, 
it sounds nuts maybe for most fans, but I got to feel like Kyle Lowry probably goes down as the most beloved Raptor of all time. Am I off base with that one? No, I think you're you're right on track with that, honestly. Obviously, we have a lot of love for DeRozan. They're, the, everyone's split on the Vince Carters and the Chris Boshes and the Tracy McGrady's because they wanted to get out. So, you know, most of the most of the best players, the best Raptors players of all time, uh, th- there's a caveat there. And yeah. to, with the exception of DeMar and especially Kyle. Kyle is, again, just kind of talking about that mentality as a Raptors fan where you always feel like an underdog. Like, that's what rooting for Kyle Lowry is because, you know, the standard, he's not your standard box score, box... Right. Uh, stuffer. Bo- yeah. What do I look for? Stat sheet stuffer, you know? Mm-hmm. He, you're, you're not getting a lot of points, assists, steals, but you're getting you're getting a decent amount. And But then you look at the deflections, the charges taken, the yeah. um, the types of passes he makes, the the timely the, shots, the timely shots when you need them, and and like all the little things that don't show up on the box score, especially right. like just his leadership and people taking like his team kind of taking on his mentality and the way that he you know sacrifices his body and really goes for that extra goes that extra mile to get the ball and to get treats every possession like it's important and. Just a real bulldog, you know, and you, you look at either the if you look beyond the box score and you look at stuff like I mentioned, like deflections, charges taken, even it's funny when other teams feel like they get a mismatch on Lowry and they yeah. and, and a big man tries to back him down. And Raptors fans just laugh because it's like you can't yeah. post up Lowry. He's, he's his center of gravity is amazing. <laughs> exactly. and, but then when you, if you're if you're into advanced stats, too, I mean, you look through all the Raptors all-time leaders, he's up there in all of them. He's, yeah. he's like the all-time leader in win shares and box plus minus and value over replacement player. Like, what is, sure. I don't know if you're into any of that stuff. but No, I'm, I'm a big wins produced guy and win shares guy. So his his wins produced per 48 has always been among the best in terms of point guards. And Yeah, you're right. Yeah, exactly. So he's he's he, he kind of owns our heart. He owns our advanced stats, and he owns all those things that don't really show up. So it's something like we were all happy – for the team winning the championship, but a lot of people were just sincerely happy for Lowry, for Lowry to have a championship, to validate his play, for people to see him on the biggest stage and see the way he contributes. And just to hear, you know, to be on the ABC broadcast during uh, the finals and hear like Van Gundy and all the guys talking about Lowry and the way he's contributing and talk about the game he's having and being like, sure. oh, you know, he only has 14 points and four assists, but man, oh man, has he had an impact on this game. And it's like, see, see, that's yeah. exactly what we've been talking about all this time. You know, 100%. Once again, guys, this has been Russell Pedal. Make sure you follow him on Twitter. He's at Rusty Pedal Bike. He is an NBA writer for Number Fire and obviously former writer for Raptors HQ. Russell, man, I really appreciate you joining me this week on the Quarterly Report, man. And uh, continue that celebration. Thanks, man. I will. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> Once again, yo, man, shout out to Russell Pedal, man. Big thanks to him for joining me this week on the show. And, you know, We've we've talked about the Raptors and, and you can hear it in his voice, the joy, you know, and if you know any Lakers fans, you can hear the joy in their voice as well. But it's a far different story for Nick fans. Yo, can I talk my shit? Can I can I get 10 to 13 minutes just to vent? Nick fans, man, come on, bro. We're going to hug it out. So our fourth topic this week. Fourth quarter. Occam's razor. That is the theory, basically, that. The easiest explanation often is the best. Schrodinger's cat. The the idea that in some circumstances at a at a specific moment in time there are multiple outcomes. 
all of these theories, right, and physics and stuff, like, they're, they're really fascinating, but they all pale in comparison to Dolan's razor. Yes, Dolan's razor. The theory that no matter how bad you think it will become, it always will be worse. No matter how bleak, no matter how dark it is, no matter how painful the blade, the cut, the hurt, the pain, Dolan's razor will let you know that that joint is just the tip of the iceberg. No matter, don't, and don't even get excited. Don't allow yourself to believe in happiness because around that corner, lurking like Jason Voorhees is James Dolan with his razor blade ready to cut your ass up. This has been my life. <laughs> this has been my life. I've talked to, I've talked to, you know, you know, parts here and there about what being a Nick fan entails. You know what I mean? And look, way back when, when, when the, when the momentum for New York's big off season was like picking up real steam, I was like, yo, we're not getting KD and Kyrie. I think we'll get one, but we're not going to get this dream scenario where it's KD, Kyrie, and Zion. Like, that just can't happen to Knicks fans. It just cannot happen. So I was hoping, you know what? Get KD. But if we get KD and Zion, that's even that's even better. Dog, I don't even for real, I never really wanted Kyrie. Kyrie was like, cool. For you to be a second option and you to rock with KD like this, that's fine. And look, I am doing this record June 24th, 2019. So understand, if Kyrie Irving does end up coming to New York, you're not gonna hear me celebrate. I'm letting it be known right now. This is one of the main reasons I'm doing this quarter, this topic, because I want to let my feelings, my thoughts, and my, I don't know, my opinions, I want to put it on record. Y'all know me. Like I, I don't backtrack. I don't retreat. Look, I, I stand by my words. I can admit when I'm wrong, and I've done so, but damn it, I ain't wrong that much. I, I, dog, let me flex. You feel me? And as it stands right now, Bro, against my better judgment, I allowed myself to believe. I allowed myself to believe while I was watching the lottery, especially when the Hawks ended up at 8 and 10. And I was like, oh. And then the Suns ended up like, what, at 6? I'm like, oh. And then the Lakers went number 4. I was ready. Joe, I was up. Lauren Hill, the miseducation of Lauren Hill. I was playing Zion, man. Damien Gong Marley, welcome to Jam Rock. The road is the road desire. Every song that even dog, I was watching the Matrix Reloaded. Everything, everything that even that even mentioned Zion, I was in it. You feel me? I was in it, and then like a Mike Tyson punch to the stomach, I was on the floor, and I could see in my subconscious James Dolan laughing at me. It's my own fault. I allowed myself to believe despite the fact that I knew, I knew that this can't happen for Knicks fans. It can't. We're not the Celtics. We're not the Lakers. We don't get the opportunity to shortcut a rebuild. We got to grind it out. And unfortunately for the Knicks fans, we don't, 
all of the all of the the negatives about a rebuild like the time the patience the the growing pains we do all of that but the smart part of the rebuild right acquiring assets having a plan being precise being disciplined we skip all that so we're just in this constant state of fake rebuilds but just doing it the wrong way this year we did it the wrong the right way this year we did it the right way we avoided signing the the young player to a long contract that clearly it was not going to be worth it who was a, a malcontent and i love chris stops don't get it wrong this is you will never hear me say a bad word about chris stops i hope he balls on dallas but i'm glad we didn't resign him because that's what we always do we we look at the the counting stats and we inflate his productivity because we like him we've done it all the time this year we didn't do it and not only did we not do it, we didn't traded him and got back assets, right? Now, the best asset that we got back was the cap space, and then it was the unprotected pick from Dallas. I don't consider Dennis Smith an asset, but, hey, a lot of y'all liked him before he got that Knicks thing on him. But that's something that we never, we never trade overhyped, overrated prospects, players, talent, for assets we don't ever do that we don't ever look to acquire cap space we don't ever do that we don't ever acquire extra pick extra picks dog i don't even know when the last time we had multiple first round picks in a year i have no clue but we did it and i'm thinking i bet and then what happened just like on lottery night I allowed myself to believe that Kevin Durant, Kevin Durant, bro, Kevin Durant. I allowed myself to believe that a healthy Kevin Durant was going to come to New York and become a savior. What the fuck was I thinking? <laughs> because Dolan's razor struck again. Not only did he hurt himself in the first round, he, he misses an entire series. Right? He misses an entire series against, or oh, not an entire series, mo much of the series against Houston, all of the series against Portland, and then he misses the first few games against the Raptors. But here comes Kevin Durant. And this is when I knew. I was like, okay, Dolan's razor strikes again. I knew it before the game even started. When they said that he was back and that there was not, that he couldn't damage his leg anymore. And if there wasn't going to be a minutes restriction, I like bet. Watch this. Dog, he played 12 of a possible 14 minutes. <laughs> you can't tell me. Like, come on, Joe. You can't tell me. They said the brother couldn't, couldn't re-injure the injury, number one. And then they said that there was no minutes restriction. He played damn near the entire game. There was only 14 minutes of game action that he that he could have played. He played 12 of them, and then what happened? Ruptured the entire Achilles. He want no calf. The entire Achilles gone. And I knew at that moment I was like, "Yo, you can't short. We can't do it. Anthony Davis will never be traded to the Kevin Garnett will never be traded to the Knicks for pieces like Delonte West and Ryan Gomes. That will never happen." Anthony Davis got traded. People make this big to-do about what the Lakers gave up. What exactly did the Lakers give up? Honestly, I like Lonzo. I think Lonzo is a good player. 
And maybe Lonzo can become a special player, but he was not special in L.A. They gave up Brandon Ingram, and as, I'm sorry, he's not good. And not only is he not good, because he played in L.A., and he played for Duke, and he was the second overall pick, and, he could, and his PPG is nice. You're going to have to pay him a lot of money in restricted free agency next year. You dodged the bullet the same way the Knicks dodged a, a bullet with Kristaps down to the injury concerns. Kristaps has anemia and a torn ACL. Brandon Ingram's got blood clots. You got no idea what these players can do if they could stay on the floor. The Lakers dodged the bullet. Josh Hart, stop it. Stop it. And that's not any disrespect to the brother, but stop it. Okay, I don't want to hear anybody complain about Josh Hart. They gave up the number four pick. Okay. Like, y'all know how I feel. Trade picks if you're a championship contender. Trade picks if you're going to get an elite super, superstar. The Lakers are in both categories. I don't care what the four. You think DeAndre Hunter, who, I think DeAndre Hunter went number four, right? Or oh, Garland, I'm sorry, Garland. You think he's going to be the, the, the missing link of a championship team? Not just this year, at any point in his career. And I look, I don't know. This young man could be a superstar in the making. I do not know. But what are the odds? You know, I can always tell the people, even if you don't believe in numbers, even if you don't believe in advanced statistics or analytics, if your mind is wired a certain way, particularly if you understand probability, right? Whether you 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 uh, you were a student in a probability class, calculus class, some type of class like that, or you gamble, you know. And I'm not trying to be funny. If you understand odds, if you understand probability, you will. I feel like you are more inclined, right, to at least be open to advanced statistics, right? Because again, analytics just means data. Garland can become the next Michael Jordan. Let's say there's a possibility, because it is. We don't know. Going back to Schrodinger's cat, we do not know what lies ahead for him at this moment. But what percentage would you put, not at him even being Michael Jordan, because that's silly, but what percentage would you put of him being uh, a number one, number two, or number three option on the championship team within the next 10 years? Because, again, at any point in the NBA's history, there's probably five to six of those guys. At any point. So what are the odds? We know LeBron is that, and although LeBron is declining, I think Anthony Davis is one. Put them together. Your odds of winning a championship are much greater than the number four pick, and then the future picks, how like how bad do you think the Lakers are going to be with Anthony Davis, LeBron James, Kyle Kuzma, and then money to either A, get a, a, a really good player, possibly a max player, or B, use all that money to round out their roster? It's not going to happen, barring injury. That type, of, that type of thing never happens to the Knicks. You want to know what happens to the Knicks? You get the third overall pick when you could get Zion. You know what happens to the Knicks? The moment you could get the best player to ever play for your organization, that includes Clyde, that includes uh, Pat, that includes Willis, Monero, all of them. KD's better than all of them. The moment that you could get it and you did everything right to clear up the space, to acquire picks, 
to surround them with talent and to have another max slot available. He ruptures his entire Achilles when he should not have played. Dolan's Razor. <laughs> we can't shortcut the, the rebuild. It's not going to happen. We have to be in for the long haul. So I'm going to end this quarter. I'm going to end this show. And again, I'm not going to spend much time talking about the Knicks because I know you, most of y'all don't care. Y'all want to hear me complain. Y'all want to hear, you want to see the agony. Y'all don't want to see me inspired. But I feel a bit of inspiration because I know what time it is. And I'm hoping that's that dangerous word, right? I caught myself because I am hoping. And I know there's no reason. For, there's no room for hope. There's no room for hope for Knicks fans. This is not. This is what I want the Knicks to do. Don't sign Kevin Durant. Nope. Signing Kevin Durant, even when he was healthy, came with the risk. Because whatever Kevin Durant's next contract for the duration of that contract, and this is before his injury, you're assigning him for the decline phase of his career. That's not to say that next year, if he was healthy, he would decline, or two years from that, he would decline. But the decline phase of his career happens in the next four to five years, the years that he would be signing. So that comes with that risk. But Kevin Durant at a decline is still better than the vast majority of the league. And then you add on the injury. So now, if you sign Kevin Durant, which I fully expect the Knicks to still do, to a max contract, next year you're still lost. There's nothing there. You're not going to win. And then when he comes back, he's the Riddler. He's got question marks written all over him. So you still may be back. With all that money tied up to a declining injured player who is not the player that you thought you were getting. That makes no sense. The Knicks timeline and Kevin Durant's timeline is completely out of whack now. He should not even be considered. If they are smart, they shouldn't even consider Kevin Durant. The only player, there's only one player for the Knicks who is worth a max contract. And we just talked to a guy who just told you that no player in the entire league in the history of the league has left after the season that Kawhi Leonard just played or just played for the Toronto Raptors championship finals, MVP King of the King of the North. If he leaves his ass ain't coming to New York, but go for it. I got no problem. Swing for the fences. But when Kawhi says, no, don't go to Kemba. Don't go to Jimmy Butler. Don't go to Kevin Durant. Sit down, bite the bullet. And let's make the smart, frugal, calculated, but disciplined decisions. You've got Mitchell Robinson, our best player. He's our best player. And he's young and he's raw and he's just scratching the surface. And that's fine, right? Let the boy play. Let him develop. Put some weight on. He's got a lot of work to do. He's got to become a better screener. Because once he learns how to screen, his PNR game should be through the roof. He's an athlete who's already big with a long wingspan. You're not going to be able to stop him rim running. There's no reason. And I, look, I think Rudy Gobert is one of the 10 best players in the league. So I'm not going to say Mitchell Robinson is going to be the next Rudy Gobert. But damn it, he need to be watching Rudy Gobert tape every day of his life. That's the goal. Be Utah light. Let Rudy be baby or I'm sorry, let Mitch be baby Rudy and hope to God that RJ, look, 
I like Donovan Mitchell, right? I do. I really do. I'm not at the point that I feel like RJ can't be better than Donovan. I, I don't believe that. He's younger, right? Donovan came in a little bit older. RJ, he can't shoot. I am fully aware. But the one thing about RJ's game that I am kind of uh, optimistic about is his playmaking ability. His assist, his shot selection is awful. He can't shoot. But his ability to make plays, I feel pretty good about that, right? So you got two guys, two young pups, 19 years old. You got two of them. I like Alonzo Trier off the bench. He's not going to be a great, he's not going to be an all-star, right? But he understands the game. He's got a certain type of competitiveness. He's He could develop into one of those prototypical six-man-of-the-year candidates. And that's cool. That is great. The one thing that the Knicks have done recently is bring in talented young players, talented rookies. The we've had We had four rookies last year. The worst rookie was drafted in the, with our first-round pick, Kevin Knox. He was the worst of the four. Mitch, Luke, and Alonzo. I like all three of them. And all three of them can be a part of something special that we're building. But you can't shortcut it. They got to take their lumps. We're not going to be good next season. Now, we don't need to only win 17 games. That whole tanking thing, it ain't it. We need to make sure that we are developing our guys and developing winning habits while also understanding we're not going to be a championship contender. We're not going to be a playoff contender. And that's fine because we can use our cap space to rent, rent out the cap space. And while you do it, acquire picks, acquire assets, acquire young players. The only player that I want outside of Kawhi that's going to cost money is Malcolm Brogdon. Malcolm Brogdon can shoot. Malcolm Brogdon can defend. You put him as our point guard. It doesn't matter that Malcolm Brogdon cannot create off the dribble because that's what RJ can do. Malcolm at the one, RJ at the two. You got to hope and pray that Kevin Knox can play basketball. <laughs> He's still young. He's a pup. So you can't go too hard on him. But he didn't show anything in college that would allow anyone to think that he was going to be a special player. Hopefully he can become something, something nice. And you run him at the three. Resign Noah Vonley to a nice team-friendly deal. Put him at the four with Mitch. And then you have an, a competitive young roster full of reasonable contracts who, because they're playing in an up-and-down pace, a bunch of athletes, a lot of these players, the Dennis's, the Knox, the Frank, I don't even know if Frank has any value, but whatever. All of these guys, the only player I would be like, nah, I'm not moving, would be Mitch. Everybody else could go. And because you have young players who would theoretically get better on team-friendly contracts, all of them can then be moved for the next time a Kawhi happens. Because guess what? Just like there's only five to six special players at a time in any era of the NBA, there's always going to be two or three of those players who become disgruntled. It happens every generation, every era. Every era, a James Harden becomes available. Every era, a LeBron James wants to leave. Or a Kevin Durant wants to leave. Or a Charles Barkley wants to leave. It happens over, a Jason Kidd becomes available. You have to be ready. A Kawhi Leonard becomes available. Now, you, 
You're not going to be able to do anything if you got all your money tied up into a 31-year-old Kimba Walker, right? And a super injured, out of shape DeMarcus Cousins. If you give all your money to two players who overrated anyway, but who are aging, and in one case, DeMarcus's case, often injured, well, what happens two years from now if Giannis is like, bro, I'm done in Milwaukee? And I'm not saying that will happen. But again, it could. We are living in a world right now. And at this moment, there are countless possibilities and outcomes as it pertains to Giannis or Ben Simmons. Who knows what happens with Ben in Philadelphia, right? Like, who knows what happens with James Harden? There's so many things, so many potential landing spots with special players right now. You better be ready. Don't waste your money on it, Kevin Durant. It's over. It's over. It was a good dream while it lasted. Dolan's razor came up like Freddy Krueger. Killed the dream. Killed us while we were sleeping. That's what I want the Knicks to do. Be disciplined. Be smart. Take the long game. I fully expect Kemba Walker and Kevin Durant signed at 12.01. It's not even at 12.01 anymore. Whatever time free agency opens now, the first minute, we throwing all the money away, baby. All the money away. Lord help me. Hopefully, I helped you guys with an entertaining and informative show this week. Thank you guys for joining me for another episode of the Quarterly Report Podcast, episode 107. Shout out again to my guest this week, Russell Pedal. Shout out to him. Thank you so much. For all you Raptors fans listening, it's been a lot of Toronto fans over the last month or so. I appreciate you guys checking out the podcast. Please be sure to head on over to iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever else you listen to podcasts. Leave a five-star review. Rate and review the show. Let me, your friends, and the entire world know why you love the Quarterly Report podcast. I'm a bit biased, but I love it because it's the best sport podcast going today. And it's my very own podcast, so whatever. But, dog, we right there, baby. The shows are getting better. The, the, the responses are becoming larger and larger. I want to thank each and every one of you all for rocking with me, whether it's day one or day 365, however how long this show has been going. I want to thank each and every one of you all. Remember, tweet at me at quarterly show. That's Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E show. Or email me your thoughts, suggestions, things you disagree with, things you want to hear me talk about, you name it. Email me at quarterlyreport at gmail.com. Quarterly, Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E, report at gmail.com. All right, guys, I will talk to you next weekend or next week. Enjoy your weekend, and I'll see you right back here on the Quarterly Report.